The topic of gender and sexuality may be one of the most controversial topics facing the church today. It is far from new, but the issue is still hotly debated. Hi, and welcome to Great Stories with Charles Morris, where we take the best interviews from the Haven Today radio program, and we share them here in full. Today, we're sharing a conversation that I had with M.D. Perkins, a producer for American Family Association. We'll talk about his movie, In His Image, Delighting in God's Plan for Gender and Sexuality. But we'll also dig deeper into why this conversation is so pertinent today and how Christians can engage the issues with compassion as well as truth. So let's get started. Well, welcome to Haven Today. And this is a most interesting interview that we're going to have as we head to Tupelo, Mississippi. American Family Films. M.D. Perkins is the producer of a documentary that has really been receiving some amazing reviews in the Christian community, at least. And it's called In His Image, Delighting in God's Plan for Gender and Sexuality. MD, welcome to Haven Today. Good to have you on the program. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Charles. It's great to be with you today. You know, it's the month after Gay Pride Month. And I don't think I've ever seen such an increase in recognizing Gay Pride Month as this year, or the number of companies, even in their advertising, that started putting the colors up, Mm -hmm. putting symbols up, talking about it. I think it's an appropriate time for us to go back to an issue that we haven't explored in a long time. This idea of the cultural change that we're seeing in gender and sexuality today, and frankly, most Christians don't know what in the world to think. Maybe we need to go back to the basics. I thought we ought to have you on. Can you give me just a little, give me the elevator talk. What are you doing in this 77-minute movie that you made? Well, In His Image is about delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality, as we mentioned there in the subtitle for the documentary. And so the big picture is we want to know where we've come from as a culture, where we are. You know, we could assume that everyone is, is realizing this, but a lot of people have just kind of gone along to get along and aren't really even paying attention or, or, or fully aware of, of what fully has happened culturally. And then so we want to see where we are culturally, but we want to go back, like you said, to the basics. We want to see, well, what was God's intention for our gender and sexuality? What was God's intention when he, when he said he created us male and female after his own image? That what is that what is that maleness and femaleness intended to communicate and express? What is that? Is that innate? Why, why does that matter for us as, as individual people? And why has that mattered for us, you know, for centuries? And why is it now being undermined overall in, the, in these cultural arenas? And then to start to try and bring the word of God to bear on some of these specific questions regarding, regarding the thought of orientation, sexual orientation, regarding the thought of, 
transgenderism and also bringing with that um, testimonies of people who've been transformed, radically transformed by the grace of God that interceded on their behalf, that came in and, and gave them a new sense of identity and purpose of what it meant to even be a human being and what it meant to be a, a man or a woman and the, the, the transformative grace of God at work in the souls of people. And that's, we wanted to give that, that full picture because of course, I mean, American Family Association, we are, we are interested in activism. We're interested in equipping uh, Christians to stand firm in a, in a shifting culture and giving believers tools that they can use to, to help understand some of these current hot button issues. But, um, you know, we felt like we, we did need to go back to the beginning. We did need to go back to mm-hmm. Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and see really, well, you know, as a church, we've kind of lost our way in this. And we're, there's mm-hmm. a lot of confusion mm-hmm. and a lot of uncertainty and a lot of just wishy-washy, vague answers to questions. Let's get down and figure out what did God really say? And then what can we, what can we do with that information? How do we apply that then to our everyday lives? And that wishy-washiness, as you've described it, that's even showing up in more conservative groups. But I guess I'd like us to make one thing clear. This is not a documentary where you're bashing gays, is it? No, absolutely not. not. No, I mean, our goal from the beginning was to take the truth of God and to wed it to the compassionate heart of God and to be able for people, uh, regardless of where they find themselves in this situation. I mean, there might be people who come to this documentary wanting to just hear about how bad the culture is and, and, and all of that, and then they find within this Oh, there's a lot of trauma in these in a lot of these people's backgrounds that have caused them to question even their sexuality or their their gender. Um, there's a lot of uh, abuse that's happened over the course of their life, or there's a lot of inaccurate answers that they were given by the churches that they that they sought out. And so, you know, trying to to stir people both toward compassion and toward a, a bold stand for truth. Those were the two pillars that we were trying to uphold with this documentary. So, no, I mean, it's not about bashing anybody. It's not about telling anybody that you're outside of the spectrum of God's mercy or God's grace. It's about calling men and women to repentance and to faith and to give an insight into what what do Christians or what should Christians really say and believe about what the Bible teaches on these subjects. And that's all of us, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You decided to make this movie with a lot of testimonies. So you're not just putting experts on, you know. Yeah. Uh, you're not just putting biblical theologians on. How'd you go about finding the testimonies, the stories that you have people tell inside this documentary? And they're all true, right? Yeah. You didn't hire any actors. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, the, the idea of testimonies, first of all, the philosophy behind it was people are listening to stories. And many times people's erosion when it comes to the biblical foundations on this issue usually comes because they have a friend or a loved one who mm-hmm. is telling them, well, I feel this way and this is my experience and I've experienced these hard things and I just need you know the church to accept me and affirm me for who I am and to build me up in this new identity that I've, that I've recognized for myself. And so when it came to the thought of this documentary, no, I mean, we couldn't just have theologians stating the biblical case. We had to have that, but that was only part of it. We needed to have testimonies that were able to get down into the the nitty-gritty life situations where people have come from. 
so that you can see that illustrated. You can see the power of God illustrated in someone's life. So when we interviewed Stephen Black, who's a former homosexual, or Denise Schick, who um, grew up in a home where her father um, decided that he, he was born a woman and he ended up kind of causing this wreckage in the family and causing her as a young preteen to even question, you know, her own gender identity. And then Walt Heyer and Laura Perry, who both come from transgender backgrounds and had lived as the opposite sex, even going so far as to engage in, in hormone therapy and in even to some degree, some of the surgeries in that. And Laura Perry actually says at one point in the interview, I had to realize that this surgery did not make me a man. And mm. this, this kind of carrot that was held out there is there's always something more that you need to do that will cause you to feel this internal sense of fulfillment. Because we're talking about a lot of psychological issues. Mm-hmm. We're talking a lot of even about spiritual oppression and things like that. So these things are going on in someone's psyche and their mind. And they keep being told, well, you just need to get surrounded by affirming friends, or you just need to go take these hormones and kind of live on this hormones. You need to have all these people recognize this. You need to go have these surgeries. But then if, if all of those things don't work well, the problem is that society hasn't fully conformed to this mm. view. So you still feel at odds with everything. And so that's how this keeps getting pushed further and further down the line is we so in- essentialized the internal reality of people's psychology that then we're projecting outwards and, and kind of forcing that on, on everything. I mean, that's kind of the nature of this whole Equality Act thing within the U.S. is this, this thought that sexual orientation and gender identity now become innate biological categories in civil rights law in the same way that we might think of, of ethnic identity or, or male or female or those, those kinds of things. But, you know, obviously this is even at odds with some of those, those, uh, those categories, but that's, Mm -hmm. that's where we are today. And so that was why, that was why testimonies were important to us is because you get to see some of those themes come out as, as a person like Laura, you know, very articulate young lady clearly knows the scripture has, has met with the Lord and has been radically transformed. And, you know, in, in early in those, in that process, even, you know, Laura talks about, I wasn't convinced that I would ever feel comfortable even in my own body again. Hmm. I didn't know if I was going to feel comfortable as a woman, but I knew that I needed to follow the Lord in this and, and walk by faith rather than my feelings. And I mm-hmm. think that's such an important message today. Uh, it's an important message for for young people who are growing up in a in a media-saturated age of images mm-hmm. and feelings, and it's mm-hmm. all about emotion and, and kind of how you feel, but also for parents and older people who are trying to understand this whole situation. How do we even get here, you know, and some of those questions. So that's that's how we that's how we approached it. One of the things you do is is you put your toe into the scientific evidence that's out there as well. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, that was another piece of this puzzle is we wanted to be able to present the biblical side. We wanted a personal testimony side. But there's also Christians need to realize that science actually is on our side. It does, you know, all truth is God's truth, as some people have have said. So when when we're talking about biology and when when we're talking about the muscular density and the structures of the way that men's bodies are made versus women's bodies are made, those are biological 
facts. Those are just facts of nature, you know, God's natural revelation mm-hmm. that God intends men to, to have a, a stronger disposition and he creates their bodies that reflect that and, and women's bodies are, are more malleable, more flexible, more relational. So all of these kinds of things are just embedded in the fabric of who we are as men or as women. And part of that distinction was God intended. So we, we try and establish that distinction between this kind of cultural paradigm of gender, gender roles and gender identity versus, you know, that there is a, a biological element even to some of these ideas that become ingrained in culture. But there is scientific evidence on our side. So when you start then applying that immediately, mm-hmm. it gets applied out on things like, uh, like transgender athletes and things like that, where a man is competing within a woman's field of, of, of competition, but his his whole body structure is built to be faster, to be stronger, to have more bone mass and muscle density and those things. So will that transgender athlete turn out to win these events? I mean, we would expect that they would just by nature, the biology of the way that their body was made as a man. And is that so. happening in the Olympics this year? I, I believe it is. Yeah, I, there is a transgender athlete in the Olympics and there are a number of others who are trying to to compete and get into that into that level so that this this becomes more of a not just a national talking point but at that point it becomes a global talking point mm-hmm. well if you just joined us you're listening to haven today md perkins he's a producer with american family studios and he's joining us we're talking about his documentary in his image delighting in god's plan for gender and sexuality md what do you hope to achieve from this documentary. And it is poignant to watch. It really is. It's moving to watch. Our goal, I mean, there's multiple goals, obviously, when you create a a thing like this, but it's, we want Christians who were who are unclear, uncertain on these issues to become settled in their minds and their thinking, to become clear about what God has said and what God intends through scripture. We want those who who were maybe hardened in their heart toward those who were same-sex attracted or those who who have confusion over their gender identity to have a compassionate heart and in terms of outreach. And we want Christians to be able to stand firm in the culture. So we wanted to bring clarity and conviction on, on all of those fronts. And the idea is, you know, we want, we want the church to be able to stand firm in the current mm-hmm. age because there's so much capitulation and compromise and erosion that's taking place all over the church and individuals are are being won over and um, and denominations are, are being brought in on this and constantly there is this assault from the world you know in some of these legal cases and mm-hmm. and all of these things that Christians need to be be able to have a clear answer to this because Obviously, I don't think any of us would have chosen this to be the battleground of our age, mm, but we yeah. don't get to choose the battlegrounds. <laughs> they, they just emerge. Right. They're brought out in the midst of all of this by where everything is headed. And so this is the battleground. Whether we like it or not, we have to be able to, to have clear, compassionate, honest answers to the questions of how did God make us? What did God intend? What does God's word say? And how can Christians stand compassionately and boldly in this culture and reach the world for Christ? Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a hard question. A few years (laughs) ago, a family friend of ours, he was our family life insurance agent when I grew up. 
And before he died, he's with the Lord now. He was a leader in his church, but he had somebody in his family that had turned to a gay lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And he had great sympathy and great love. He said to me before he died, when I was in this little town in Oklahoma, he said, do you really believe somebody can change? Mm. Of course, saying they are what God made them to be. Now, in Christian circles, I've heard that many times since then. How do we wrestle with this? How do you deal with this in your documentary? How You've read more books, more scientific papers than I will ever read. <laughs> your, your own father is an MD. You kind of have a science bent to yourself. Yeah. How do you respond to this? The whole question of change is such a, a common one, and it is a complex question because it means, well, first of all, there's two embedded assumptions by that. What what are you changing from and what mm-hmm. exactly is changing? So when we talk about change, we're talking about people are typically talking about orientation uh, and what, what do they mean by sexual orientation or your, mm-hmm. your pattern of attractions toward someone of the same sex. Well, the Bible doesn't really talk about patterns of attractions toward people of the same sex. It doesn't have this category, uh, this 19th century, I would say, category of, of orientation. It talks about desires talks about passions and it talks about temptations. And so we, we understand that um, we will face many things in this life, especially if we're believers. You know, the war against the flesh. I mean, Paul talks about this in Romans 7. But the Bible also indicates that there is victory in those battles, that as we submit ourselves to the Lord, that we do gain victory over even the, the lust of the flesh and the, the, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, that we can in some measure, overcome the things that we face in this life. That doesn't mean that someone who faces temptations or or trials or struggles isn't truly born again, but it is a question of where is our heart set? What are we, what are Mm. we striving toward? Mm. What are we hoping toward? So that's, that's my spiritual answer to the question. Now in, in the practical sense, people ask, well, is change even possible? And I say, Mm -hmm. well, there's a lot of people who have changed and they've testified to the fact that they've changed. And the fact that you say that change isn't possible, just because you have people who say that they haven't changed doesn't, <laughs> doesn't prove, disprove the stories of the people who have changed. So mm-hmm. we need to find more objective measurements for some of these things. And, and like I said, you know, some of the elusive ways that language gets used mm-hmm. in this conversation uh, doesn't do us any favors because even the concept of orientation is a rather elusive category mm-hmm. once you mm-hmm. actually look at it psychologically, the way that psychological groups like the American Psychological Association defines it as patterns of emotional, romantic, and sexual attractions. Well, each of those categories has a lot of, of nuances and ambiguity to it. Do I have relational attraction toward the other male friends in my life? Does that mean that I'm somehow innately oriented toward male friendships, even though I seek male friendships because I'm a Christian <laughs> and I want to preserve my marriage and I want to honor the Lord in these things and I want to have constructive, healthy, masculine friendships? That doesn't, that doesn't mean that I'm a homosexual. You know, and so even the ways that language has been softened and become vague and really unhelpful in this conversation, which seems to be all part of this larger agenda in some ways, it, it does does a lot of disservice even to, to trying to get clarity on, on some of these questions, even such as, is change possible? Well, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the answer of the film is yes, change is possible. But our change comes not from us 
looking in ourselves, trying to make ourselves better. Our change comes from looking outside of ourselves to the one who is, has died for us and has promised to bring us to himself. So it's not about us picking ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Now, maybe somebody has enough willpower to change themselves in that way. I don't mm-hmm. know, but that's not my point. I don't, I don't, right. I'm not interested in trying to perpetuate that story. What I want to perpetuate and what I want to propagate is the story that Christ can save sinners of whom I am a sinner and I have my own, my own <laughs> issues and things that I've come from and my own sin patterns that I've had to subject to the mercy of Christ and overcome by the power of his Holy Spirit. And that is mm. possible. That's mm. possible for every one of us. And that's a story that every Christian, if they have the Holy Spirit living within them and they truly are born again, then that is a story that mm. That is an idea that resonates with all of us as Christians. We live, we talk about it on Haven today, in a society, in a world where individualism reigns. And we want what we want. And if we're inclined to something, then we've got to have it. Well, you're kind of making the case for something totally different. You're making the case for Christ comes first in our lives our identity's in him, not in ourselves or what we think we ought to be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if we belong to Christ, then we are new creations. And that's that's front and center of, of the Christian life. That's front and center of who we are as people. You know, a new heart has been put within us and new desires, new passions, new new hopes. And that's part of what it means to be a Christian. So when we when we start talking about these issues of gender and sexuality, I mean, identity, there is identity outside of just Christ, but there has to be the foundation. There has to be the reality of Christ in us and that we build upon who we are in Christ. And so, yeah, I mean, God made us male. God made us female. God made us husbands and wives. There are roles, there are functions, there are duties that we have in this life. But we are, if we belong to Christ, then we are new creations and we are founded in Christ. And that is our core identity. And that's what we should build upon and strive to, to present to people when they ask us these things. Michael, there is so much fear, so much askance in looking at other people today, even in the church. I'm thinking about single people, people mm-hmm. who've never married. Oh, because he's never married, he's probably gay. Or she is a missionary, and but she has this close female missionary friend, and, well, you know, the whispers that will take place. Yeah. When are we going to get over this? When is that going to happen? How's it going to happen? There is such criticism for those who have never been married And we look at the Apostle Paul, and, you know, most biblical scholars think he would have been married because he was a member of the Sanhedrin. However, Mm -hmm. he wasn't married when he was doing his ministry all this life. He was single. Respond to me about this. Yeah, the the topic of singleness does come up in this conversation. You can't help it, you know, when you're talking about sexuality and you're talking about God's plan and obviously the only proper fulfillment for for sexual reality is within marriage for Christians. So that's, 
that's we we keep marriage. We honor marriage. Obviously, Hebrews talks about you know honoring marriage. So we do that. But the but the question does come up practically. You know, well, there are people who are single, and also the Bible seems to honor singleness. Mm-hmm. So you know, are we going to present that? And and we did present that in in His image. We did. Our director Kendra White was very sensitive to that fact because she she lived um, well into her adult life before she met the man that God had for her. And um, she was committed to whatever God had for me, she, she would say, mm. whatever God has for me, I, I'm willing to follow. If it mm. is, you know, to get married and have children, then I'm happy with that. It, if it is to not get married and to be able to just serve God through the, my life as a single woman, then I'm, I'm happy to fulfill that. And so, yeah, I mean, there is a, a way in which we need to be able to, to be sensitive to situations and, and to not be so skeptical of people just mm. because of whatever their particular circumstances or life situations are. Perhaps we don't even know that there is actually pain and hurt in the background that has maybe led to this point. And, and someone had a close relationship and someone hurt them in, in, a, in a very severe way emotionally, and they've, they've been hesitant to even pursue that kind of relationship. So we don't know what's in the backgrounds there, but maybe that's a, maybe that's a push for us to get to know the people within our own congregations more carefully and more fully before we just make some of these assumptions about where they are spiritually based on the things that we see on the surface. Mm. MD, we need a lot of prayer for the cultural issues that are attacking our very fiber today. We need the Lord's power to lead us to grace. And would you lead us in prayer right now, please? Our Father, we thank you that we can come before you in prayer and that you are a God who hears us, that you are a God who desires for your people to draw near. And Lord, you have requested the prayers of your people. And in a mysterious way, God, you answer prayer. Lord, we can't bend your arm. We can't make you do what you would not will to do. But Lord, somehow this is part of your will and your purpose is for your people to cry out to you. So Lord, I do pray for all the listeners now that you would lay a burden on their heart for for the lost, a burden on their heart for the church, a burden on their heart for for their children and the next generations who are growing up in a hostile culture. And Lord, we ask that you would stir your people to cry out to you, stir your people to live their lives consistent with their profession of faith. And Lord, would you do a work in our midst? Would you revive our hearts, O God? Would you make us a light to the nations within our own homes and with our own communities and our own churches? And Lord, from that, would, would revival fire spread across this nation? Lord, not not for some grand political purpose or that we would now have a more comfortable life. Lord, we don't need comfort. We need Christ. So Lord, draw near to us, take your people by the hand, and Lord, meet with us and, and raise up men and women who will, who will stand for truth and feel confident in their standing and placement with you and be able to by their lives and by their words, be able to draw men and women to Christ because you have laid that burden on their heart. Lord, we ask for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hmm. All right, M.D. Perkins, thank you so much for joining us here in Haven today and uh, just for offering us this wonderful movie in his image, Delighting in God's Plan. Well, it was 
It really was a joy and an honor to be able to, to create something like this. It wasn't, it wasn't my first choice for a documentary topic, but, um, but providentially, this is what the Lord wanted us to do, and we believe we've, we've done what the Lord has required of us in it. Thanks for joining me on Great Stories with Charles Morris. I hope this conversation with M.D. Perkins gave you renewed insights into the debate over gender and sexuality in the church. A couple of years ago, I sat down with M.D. in person just as they were beginning to make him his image, and I was encouraged by his heart. This movie was not made to blast those struggling with same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria. He really wanted to compassionately and accurately share what the Bible has to say about the subject and how our identity in Jesus was the most important thing in the world. If you enjoyed today's episode, can I ask you to leave us a kind review? You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, but you can also go to haventoday.org to sign up for our weekly email and discover our other episodes posted on the blog. Thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris.